Injured in a car accident? We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyer up 904. Jacksonville. The sports world keeps spinning, and the local conversation continues. Now, Hacker After Dark on 1010XL. And a very good Wednesday evening to you, Jacksonville. It is Hacker After Dark, 1010XL, 92.5 FM with Dylan Denmark. The Hacker Ryan Green with you. Glad you are with us as we are now a little over 72 hours away. From the Jaguars and the Chargers, Saturday night, 8-15 in the AFC playoffs. Of course, you'll hear it right here on 1010XL. We have an absolute ton to do over the next two hours. We're with you until 10 o'clock. We're glad you're with us. Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. You see him all over the place now. He hosts the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. You can follow him on social media at Ross Tucker. NFL. Always enjoy the conversation with Ross Tucker. We'll talk Jaguars, Chargers, Trevor Lawrence, Doug Peterson, and more with Ross Tucker later on in the 8 o'clock hour, probably around 8.40 or so this evening. In the 9 o'clock hour, my man Jeff Kerr, CBSSports.com. Jeff Kerr is pumping out information about the Jacksonville Jaguars at CBS Sports. Dot com. He's certainly worth a follow, Jaguar fans, at Jeff Kerr CBS on Twitter. All kinds of stuff about Trevor Lawrence, Doug Peterson, trends, things along those lines. I think you'll enjoy it, Jeff Kerr of CBS in the 9 o'clock hour. We'll wrap up the college football season. We'll talk Georgia. We'll look ahead to the 2023 campaign with my friend Brent Beard. That's coming up at the bottom of the nine o'clock hour and we will kick it off in less than 20 minutes with Andrew Ivins of 247sports.com. That is actually where I want to begin tonight here on Hacker After Dark. We have not one but two big deals of the night and as we do every night here on Hacker After Dark, let's kick it off. Dylan Denmark with our big deal of the night. Time now for the big deal of the night. What's the big deal? What is the big deal? No big deal. It is a big deal. On Hacker After Dark. So go back earlier this afternoon. What were we talking about? Probably 4.30, 5 o'clock. And it came out that five-star quarterback signee of the University of Florida, Jaden Rashada, has asked to be let out of his signed letter of intent. We know that Jaden Rashada had not enrolled at the University of Florida like he was supposed to earlier this week. We know that there apparently were some issues. We didn't know what the issues were. But then it came out or reported a few hours ago that he wanted out of his letter of intent. His father, Jaden Rashada's father then, about an hour later reached out to 24-7 Sports and said that's not the case. Jaden has not asked for his release from his letter of intent. Andrew Ivins is the director of scouting for 247sports.com. He's one of our guys when it comes to recruiting here on Hacker After Dark. So we're going to get the very latest in what is turning into a full-blown 
soap opera. I was always a guiding light man myself. It was very unfortunate when they canceled that show. Also uh, dabbled in As the World Turns for a while. They canceled that one as well. I think there are still some that are on on a daily basis. Love a good soap opera back in the day. Then, Mark, were you ever a soap opera guy, or is that uh, too early in your childhood? Way too early. Yeah. Guiding Light and As the World Turns have been off for quite some time. Good subplots, though, back in the day. I love a good soap opera. And we have a full-blown soap opera at the University of Florida when it comes to Jaden Rashada. Will he stick by his commitment and his signed letter of intent? Does he want out? What factor are his parents playing in this? Andrew Ivins told me a story. He's going to tell you the same story involving Jaden Rashada and his father at an official visit to another SEC school a few months ago that I think Gator fans, you're going to find very interesting. Very interesting. And how much does NIL have to do with what's going on with Jaden Rashad and not showing up at the University of Florida as of now? Again, he was supposed to show up a couple of days ago. He has not. We'll see. And Gator fans, by the way, if you do not get Jaden Rashada, if something falls through and he does not end up at the University of Florida, oh, brother. That means your quarterback room is Jack Miller, Max Brown, and Wisconsin transfer Graham Mertz. That would not be, repeat, not be a good situation for Billy Napier to go into year number two on the job in Gainesville. So a lot of questions, not as many answers, although I think you'll find the conversation with Andrew Ivins, director of scouting for 247sports.com, very interesting, and he is coming up in about 10 minutes or so. But obviously a majority of the program tonight is our second big deal of the night. We are just over 72 hours from the playoffs returning to Jacksonville, Florida. 28 years of Jaguar football. They had a home playoff game in 1998 where they defeated New England. They had two home playoff games in 1999 where they took out the Miami Dolphins 62-7. And then, of course, lost the championship game to the Titans. They had a home playoff game in 2017 where they defeated the Buffalo Bills. This will be only the fifth home playoff game in 28 years of Jacksonville Jaguar football. And it's the first home playoff game at night in the history of the Jaguar franchise. You know, I've had a lot of guests on this week. We will continue to have a lot of guests on. We are loaded up with NFL guests tonight, tomorrow, and Friday, including a lot of former Jaguars that you're going to hear from. Cecil Shorts, Todd Fordham, Leon Searcy, just to name a few. And the overwhelming thought I'm getting from a lot of the guys I've talked to, The overwhelming thought I'm getting from a lot of my friends that are diehard Jaguar fans, and quite frankly, some of the thoughts I'm getting from you, the Jaguar fan on social media, is interesting. It's the term house money. We're playing with house money. 
on Saturday night. At three and seven, no one. No one. You can say you did. I don't believe you. When the Jaguars were three and seven and the Titans were seven and three, no one at that point, seven weeks ago, thought Tennessee was going to lose seven in a row, thought the Jaguars were going to win six out of seven, and the Jaguars would be hosting a home playoff game because they won the AFC South. But that's reality. That's where we are. That's where this has landed. The Jaguars are AFC South champions. And for just the fifth time in franchise history, the Jaguars are playing a home playoff game in Jacksonville on Saturday night. Back to the term house money. If they lose, it'll sting. Yeah, of course it will. It'll suck. Whatever verbiage you want to use, it won't be fun. But this season has been unbelievable. Unbelievable. From knocking off the Dallas Cowboys, knocking off the Baltimore Ravens, sweeping the Tennessee Titans for the first time since 2005, winning just your second AFC South Division Championship, shutting out the Indianapolis Colts, beating the Las Vegas Raiders. The memories fans have from this season, the expectations fans had coming into this season, the Jaguars have surpassed them all. So, and we'll do this later on in the week, but I'm interested in getting a gauge from you guys on the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. 641-1010. Do you feel the Jaguars are playing with house money? Are they playing with nothing to lose? Because they probably shouldn't even be here anyway. You could make the argument they're a year ahead of schedule. Three and seven, no one thought they were going to be in this position. Here they are. Now, there's one line of thinking, say you take it and you run with it. And I agree with that. I don't want them to lose. I'm not hoping for them to lose on Saturday night. No way, no how. This has been amazing, and I want the run to continue. But I would be lying if I told you that I would be devastated if they lost on Saturday. Now, rewind the clock back last week. If they would have lost to Josh Dobbs, Josh Dobbs and the Tennessee Titans and lost the AFC South on their home field prime time against a wounded Titan team, yeah, that would have probably been devastating. But they didn't. They won the game. They won the division. And I told you guys last week, they already had the vanilla ice cream, right? They already had the vanilla ice cream. The season was fun. But you wanted the hot fudge, right? You wanted the cherry on top. You got that when you beat the Titans. You got that when you won the division. I think you saw that with the celebration in the stadium, the celebration in the locker room. But you got to get all that out of your system. Everybody is now 0-0. Zero and zero. And you are playing a very good Los Angeles Chargers team that's also very hungry, just like you are on Saturday night. If the Chargers come in here and win, as a Jaguar fan, you'll be upset. That's not what I'm saying. Obviously, you're not going to be thrilled about it. 
But how could it really bother you and linger with you for a while based on everything positive that has already transpired? You asked, is Trevor Lawrence your franchise quarterback? Your answer is a resounding yes. You wanted to play competitive games in the month of January. You are doing that. You wanted to be in the hunt, right, on the graphic, on the AFC playoff picture. Well, the heck within the hunt, you're on the left side of the playoff picture. You're a division champion, and you're hosting a playoff game. My expectations, Denmark's expectations, your expectations have all been either met or surpassed, and in most cases, surpassed. So do you feel going into Saturday night, as much as you want to win, as much as we all want this to continue, if it does come to an end, will it be devastating? I don't see how it could be. I think it'll be, you know, sad. I'm not saying that. But I'm not going to be crushed if they lose the game. With what they've accomplished this year amidst unbelievable circumstances, with a first-year head coach, a 23-year-old quarterback, they are a year ahead of where they're probably supposed to be. Now, like I said, the flip side, you take it and you run with it. You take it and you make it happen. But I'm curious, because I've heard the term house money used a lot in this city this week. And you. The Jaguar fans here in Duval County and the surrounding area in Northeast Florida. Do you look at this Saturday against the Los Angeles Chargers? Do you enter that game with the feeling that, yep, we're playing with house money? We got nothing to lose? Or you say, we're at home at night against a team that we beat 38-10 to in week three. We should win the game. And if we don't, you're darn right I'm going to be disappointed. You're darn right I'm going to be upset. I'm just curious where this fan base is and can we replicate that scene last Saturday? Going back and watching that game, by the way, I heard Colin Cowherd this week say Jacksonville does not have a home field. I mean, you know, anybody that watched that game last week, by the way, 19 million, 19 million. Watched that game last week on ESPN and ABC. Anybody that was in that stadium, that fan, those fans had an impact on that game. So I don't know what Colin Cowherd's talking about. That's a guy that hasn't watched any Jaguar football, and he's only watching it now because he has to, to talk about the team in the playoffs. That was a ludicrous statement. So you fans made a huge impact, huge, last week. But now it is the playoffs, and now it's not your arch rival. Will that same passion, that same emotion, be prevalent on this Saturday as it was last Saturday? I hope so, because if it is, if that same passion is in that stadium, Jaguars, to me, have an excellent shot of winning. And then at that point, call it house money, call it whatever you want, If you beat the Chargers, you're two wins away from the Super Bowl. Think about that. If you win your home game, 
on Saturday night, and I'm not predicting this because we all know what's likely to lie ahead, is a trip to Arrowhead Stadium. It is what it is. But if you beat the Chargers, you're two wins away from going to the Super Bowl. Unbelievable. 641-1010 is the phone number on the phone line and on the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. Jaguar fans, hit me up. Are you one of those that say, yeah, we're playing with house money? Are you one of those that say, no, I want this roller coaster ride, this great ride to keep going? Florida Gator fans, Jaden Rashad has given you a roller coaster. Your five-star quarterback that signed his letter of intent has not enrolled. It was reported earlier that he wants out of that letter of intent. His father has refuted that this evening. What is going on? What's the latest? Andrew Ivins, director of scouting, 247sports.com, joins me next on a Wednesday night edition of Hacker After Dark right here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Interview on the Farrah and Farrah phone line, brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah and Farrah. Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville. It is a Wednesday evening, and we are glad you are with us. You know, it's almost all Jaguars, Chargers all the time until word seeps out earlier this afternoon that five-star Florida Gators signee quarterback Jaden Rashada might be asking to out of his letter of intent then the internet goes ablaze with Gator fans. About an hour after that, Rashada's father reportedly says, well, that's not the case right now. So we got a full-blown soap opera going on in Gainesville regarding Jaden Rashada. With that, let me bring in my buddy Andrew Ivins, 247sports.com, covering the world of recruiting in the state of Florida. Andrew, appreciate you joining us on short notice, man. How are you? I'm doing good. You know, uh, this is, we, we go through signing day. You think there's going to be a little bit of a lull before we get into that next signing window, but it, it's not, man. It, it is 365 days a year right now and uh, <laughs> more drama. Um, and, 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 you know, I think 20 years ago, this would all played out in the summer, but just everything's so accelerated with the early signing period, early enrollees, getting kids on campus, that this this whole Jaden Rashada thing's playing out um, as all those University of Florida students return to campus for uh, the spring semester. Andrew, there's no doubt with your work you've done with 24-7 sports for a while, you're very good at what you do. That's why we love having you on. All right, I mean, from your perspective, what are you hearing? Let Gator fans know, at least from your vantage point, what the situation appears to be as of right now. Well, I know there were some some reports out there that Jaden had asked to be released from his letter of intent. And I, I go with letter of intent because it used to be national letter of intent, but I always get that confused with now the NIL name, image, likeness. So I go letter of intent uh, that was reported that was out there. And then our guys, Brandon Huffman, who's out on the West Coast, with, which is where Rashad is from in California, he reaches out to uh, Rashada's dad and they say that's not true uh, and then Blake Alderman who covers the Gators for Swamp 247 and the 24-7 Sports Network he gets the same message from uh, Rashada's camp so you know w- where do things stand um, let's let's be I mean let's let's get everyone up to date Rashada signed back during the early signing period December 21st and Billy Napier had to actually 
delay his signing day press conference a little bit. They were still waiting on that 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 paperwork and signature from Rashada. He ends up signing. Uh, fast forward to the All American Bowl or the All America game in, in Orlando, and Rashada he went he showed up at media day. He participated in that game. He told all of us he was going to leave Orlando and, and go right up to Gainesville, make that short drive uh, up 75, and, and he was going to. Uh, start classes but uh, two three days in he, he still hasn't showed up start to see the smoke that something might be up and you start asking around and and you know it's it's a delicate situation to report on but it does sound like um, there, there's some there's some legs to the rumors and they're trying to figure it out uh, NIL is, is certainly in play right now um, you talk with anyone in the NIL landscape you, you hear that they're all keeping an eye on what happens and what shakes out at, at Florida because it could have a big impact not only right now with, with, with Jaden Rashada, but long-term in, in terms of how prospective student-athletes viewed the University of Florida. Andrew Ivins, 247sports.com. All right, Andrew, the rivals for the Florida Gators, fan websites, uh, other you know media outlets are having a field day with this over the last couple of hours. Let's assume that something is going on with Rashada and that, for whatever reason, he does not end up at Florida. That's a disaster, right, in, in the football sense. I mean, that's a an off-season catastrophe for the Gators, right? Well, Hacker, I mean, I go back to when Rashada flipped from Miami to Florida in late November, and I wrote a story saying, hey, Billy Napier has done an excellent job of rebuilding that quarterback room at Florida, which has kind of been a revolving door for a while now. And uh, a few months later, I don't feel comfortable saying that at all. And when Rashada committed, remember, they also held a pledge from Marcus Stokes, the kid there at Nice. Florida since parted ways with him. I think the decision to part ways with Marcus Stokes was a lot easier when Rashada was in the boat, well, he's gone. Uh, they lost another quarterback for un- unforeseen reason. Anthony Richardson's headed to the NFL. Um, and, and now Florida's quarterback room, it's like, hey, like, what, what, what is the plan here? Because I don't think Graham Mertz, the Wisconsin transfer, if Billy Napier and his staff kind of assembled a big board, I don't think that was priority number one for them. And Graham Mertz is a kid that was at the Elite 11 Finals, you know, he played in the All-American Bowl. He started 32 games uh, while he was with the Badgers. But I still, you know, I, I don't know if he's the answer. And, and, and Florida's got to figure some things out. Let's say Rashada is not going to end up at, at, at Florida. You have Graham Mertz, Jack Miller, who I think all Florida fans know what he is after watching him in that Las Vegas Bowl. And then you got Max Brown, who's a three-star kid and, and then a preferred walk-on. So, uh, it would certainly sting the Gators. Uh, I ran the numbers right now. They sit with the number 11 ranked recruiting class in the country. You remove Rashada. They drop to number 13. That would be sixth in the SEC. And it's really eighth in the SEC because let's not forget Oklahoma and Texas are, are coming to the SEC uh, in a few years. So not ideal. Um, with that being said, I do like the kid they have committed in the class of 2024, DJ Lagway. I ran into him over the weekend or, or last week in San Antonio. We think he has the goods, but he's still, what, two, three years away, so would not be ideal for Billy Napier. Final moments here with Andrew Ivins, 24-7 sports.
Gatorade.com. Again, Gator fans, if you're just joining us, there was a report out earlier this afternoon that five-star quarterback uh, signee for the Florida Gators, Jaden Rashada, had asked out of his letter of intent. Apparently his father in the last hour uh, or so has refuted those reports, but there is no doubt that Rashada has not officially enrolled yet in classes in Gainesville, and he was supposed to do that at the beginning of this week. I'm talking out loud here, Andrew. I want to make that very clear. I'm not saying anything that I have firsthand knowledge of, but Rashada and his camp, they see that quarterback depth chart, and they know they they might have Florida against a little bit of a wall here. I mean, is there any chance that the NIL that was maybe agreed to three months ago might have changed because they know they got Florida between a rock and a hard place? Well, Hacker, I mean, this is the this is the Wild West right now. I mean, there are no rules and regulations. I've always told people since this has become into the forefront, NIL, I mean, we're trying to predict where kids are going to school without a salary cap, right? This is NFL free agency without a salary cap. And if you look at Rashada's recruitment, I mean, prior to that flip from Miami to Florida, I mean, it's been all over the place. He's visited Ole Miss. He's visited Texas A&M. He's visited LSU. I mean, and at different points in the process, some of these schools looked like they were out in front. And, you know, I heard a story a few weeks ago uh, about Rashada and, and him and his father were on this visit to, to Ole Miss. And, you know, they kind of got into it with each other, kind of arguing. And, you know, the staff was just a little taken back. They felt like it was a private conversation that was being played out, you know, when they're touring the facilities. It's just been uh, a different recruitment. And, and Rashada is one of the oldest quarterbacks in the 2023 cycle. He's already 19 years old. Um, you know, he, he can distribute the football, but he, he's kind of in a different category than, than some of these other guys. So, you know, this is the reality. And it, as much as fans don't want to hear it and, you know, it, it's cringe until there's some, some type of guidelines put in place. I mean, it, it really is the kids that kind of have the negotiating power and, and their camps and, and their representatives. And, you know, I've never seen one of these NIL contracts. I've talked with plenty of power five coaches about them. We don't know if this is guaranteed money. We don't know what's incentive based. Um, but certainly, you know, the kids are the ones that, that, that kind of have that leverage, but man, if, if, if let's say a hypothetical scenario, if, if, if a prospects promise one thing and you get there or, or it comes to the, the buzzer and, and you're no longer think you're going to get that. I mean, that's going to, that's going to make things very difficult from a relationship standpoint between that prospect and the university. Andrew, as we say goodbye, look, uh, you're, I'm not asking you to be Nostradamus, but certainly you're tied in a lot more so than, than all of us that are listening or talking to you right now. It's what you do, and you do a great job at 24-7 sports. I mean, a week, two weeks from now, if you had to put all your matchsticks in the middle of the table, is Jaden Rashada a Florida Gator, or do you think there are uh, – there are issues. Well, I think it's notable his dad came and, and refuted that report. Now, I don't think we're going to know in, in, in one or two weeks. I think we're going to know by Friday. I mean, I believe that is the last ad, ad drop day at the University of Florida, and I, I'm shooting from the hip there because I, I had read that somewhere. Someone had put that out there, and I didn't didn't go and check it. I, I, I mean, I, you know, we'll see. I, I would lean towards him being at Florida. I mean, Rashada is going to have some options, but at the same time, you know, a lot of schools already have their quarterbacks in place and, and the transfer portals popping. 
I mean, someone is going to take a chance on him if he wanted to go that route. Um, but you're really, I, I would hope someone in his camp would, would realize that, that, that that's going to put him in a, in a difficult spot. I mean, you, you, you could be marrying a, a girl after without even a date. Uh, you know, it'd be kind of a blind date, and all of a sudden he's at campus. And we've seen in the past those kind of marriages, shotgun marriages, haven't really resulted in the in the right situation. And I'll add this with Rashada. You know, spoke with him in Orlando, like I said at that uh, Under Armour game, and just listening to him, he's a big believer in Billy Napier and how involved he is with the quarterbacks. And I I think he likes that offense. I think he likes Gainesville. I think he wants to be at Florida. Uh, Everyone's just got to get on the same page. So I I would still hold out hope that that happens, uh, especially after dad comes out and talks to our Brandon Huffman and, and Blake Alderman and quickly shoots down that report. There is absolutely never a dull moment in the world of recruiting. Now you add NIL into that. And Andrew Ivins is a very busy man, 365 days of the year. Andrew, appreciate you, brother, on short notice. Thank you very much. We'll talk again soon. Of course, man. Go Jags. There you go, Andrew Ivins, 247sports.com. Everybody is in the Jaguar spirit, even when we're talking about recruiting. So, Gator fans, I hope that was uh, something where you gained a little bit of knowledge. I thought it was interesting, the, the story he told about the old Miss visit for Rashada and his dad, how they basically got into, I guess, a, a shouting match is what is how it was described to me by Andrew Ivins and in front of the old Miss coaches. Imagine how awkward that was. So with the world of NIL, I mean, it kind of goes back to that whole Cam Newton, what was his dad named? Cecil, right, back in the day? That is correct. Yeah, I mean, the, the money there, and there was a thought that dad wanted something and Cam wanted something else. Could that potentially be in play here with Rashada? Who knows? What we do know is that he was supposed to enroll. He has not. There was a report that he wanted out of his signed letter of intent, and apparently his dad came out less than an hour later and refuted that report. So that is as it is on 836 Eastern Standard Time on January the 11th. As more information comes about, we'll bring it to you right here on 1010XL. Some more on that situation as it warrants coming up next. Let's get into the Jaguars. Let's get into the Chargers. The AFC playoff. Again, only the fifth time in 28 years. Only the fifth game playoff style in Jacksonville. It'll take place Saturday night. You'll hear it right here on 1010XL. Ross Tucker who does a terrific job covering the National Football League. You get him on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. You can follow him on social media at Ross Tucker NFL. We'll talk Doug Peterson, Trevor Lawrence, and the Jags and the Chargers with Ross Tucker as a Wednesday night edition of Hacker After Dark rolls on. As always, we are streaming for your viewing pleasure on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search 1010XL. You'll see Hacker After Dark there until 10 o'clock tonight. Likewise on Twitter. If you want to watch the show on Twitter, at 1010XL, you'll see it there until 10 o'clock this evening. With Dylan Denmark, the Hacker Ryan Green with you, Ross Tucker joins us next on Hacker After Dark. Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville, we are glad you are with us. The Jaguars and the Chargers 
Saturday night, 8-15. Of course, you'll hear the game right here on 1010XL. Let's talk to a man that played and now has covered the National Football League for many years. He is the host of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. You can also check him out on social media at Ross Tucker NFL. That, of course, is Ross Tucker, who's always kind enough to join us here on 1010XL. Ross, it's been a long time, man. How are you? Doing awesome, Ryan. Uh, probably maybe not quite as good as you guys are doing down there, but I am absolutely thrilled for you guys for so many different reasons, man. I mean, first of all, Jags fans are diehard. I mean, Jags <laughs> fans are diehard, very loyal. I actually experienced that, you know, this summer when I was at the Hall of Fame. Uh, Tony Baselli invited me. Uh, to go to his induction ceremony, and I was there, and I would say out of every guy that got in, there were more Jags fans there than anybody else, and there was a Niner that got in, and Brian Young, and Leroy Butler from the Packers, but nobody had as many fans there as Jacksonville, which I thought was really something else and impressive, so I'm just so happy that after last year's absolute debacle and train wreck that you guys have had uh, a successful season, even earlier in the year when it wasn't looking good. The fact that they just kept playing, they believed in what Doug was doing, and they battled through, and now here are your division champs. Yeah, Ross, to that point, you talk about Jaguar fans being loyal. I remember you being a big proponent, a big advocate of Tony Baselli getting in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and Jaguar fans remember stuff like that. They appreciate stuff like that, so I know they appreciated your thoughts and you talk about the season that's been from starting in Canton, Ohio, and Tony Baselli getting in to now winning the AFC South, Ross. You can imagine the ride it's been down here in Jacksonville. Yeah, I mean, awesome. And it's funny because I was at Tony's uh, party, you know, Hall of Fame party, and I was talking with Tony Khan and Shad Khan, and uh, actually Tom Coughlin was there, and I – I told them that they absolutely made the the right hire with Doug Peterson. I'm a huge Peterson fan and believer after what he was able to do in Philadelphia. I mean, I grew up an Eagles fan, even though I never played for, for them. And he did it. I mean, they won the Super Bowl. It's the only Super Bowl the Eagles have ever won. Can you imagine if he someday wins one in Jacksonville and he's the only head coach to win the Super Bowl? both for the Eagles and the Jags. I mean, the guy might end up having, you know, statues outside the two stadiums. There's no question about that. And look, there's been a lot of great coaching jobs this year, Ross. I mean, you look at what Dable's done in New York, O'Connell in Minnesota. You can go on down the line. Andy Reid probably doesn't get enough credit because he does it every year. But my goodness, the job he's done in Kansas City but yet, Peterson, you mentioned the nightmare here last year with Urban Meyer and then starting 3-7. and seven. And to get from 3-7 and seven to 9-8 and eight and a division champion, whether he wins it or not, Ross, Doug Peterson deserves to be in the conversation for Coach of the Year. So, um, I think it's wild how many Coach of the Year candidates there are. I've never seen anything like it. I mean... Off the top of my head here, okay, Pete Carroll, nobody thought they would do that. Geno Smith, Kyle Shanahan, 
you know, they might be the best team in the NFL with Brock Purdy, a quarterback, his third quarterback starting a game this year. Nick Sirianni, you know, I mean, Jalen Hurts wasn't even a top 20 quarterback. Now he's maybe second in the MVP voting and the Eagles have the best record. Uh, Dan Campbell, for sure. Lions were one in six. What he was able to do. Brian Dable, I think, is probably my favorite and probably will win it. You mentioned certainly Doug should be in the run. I mean, it's just it's uh, it's wild how many guys could be in the running or win it. And I wouldn't have any problem with it. He is the host of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. You can also check him out on social media at Ross Tucker NFL. He is Ross Tucker, and he's with us here on 1010XL in Jacksonville. Ross, you've seen a lot of quarterbacks during your playing days and during your days covering the National Football League, and Trevor Lawrence did not start off this year great, and he'll even admit that. And then something happened on that plane ride back from London to Jacksonville because after that Denver game, Ross, Trevor Lawrence has been a different quarterback. You know, he really has, and it's interesting because I thought he – I thought he was playing well earlier in the year until that rain game against the Eagles. And I don't know, he just did not play well and the Eagles beat him up pretty good. And then for a stretch there, you know, we were starting to wonder maybe Trevor Lawrence isn't going to be what we thought he might be. Maybe he's not this great prospect. And were we wrong about him? And why, you know, why did we think he was so great? And then it does seem like, over the last month, especially, he has played lights out. Now, he missed some opportunities for sure against the Titans that I know he was bummed out about. I don't think that was actually his best game. And as a viewer that doesn't have a, a an interest, you know, a betting interest or a rooting interest, I, I, I'm not happy that, that Dobbs fumbled and that you know, Josh Allen returned for a touchdown because I wanted to see Trevor Lawrence come through in the clutch. You know, I wanted to see Tennessee punt it away and Trevor Lawrence kind of have a, a coming of age moment. We didn't get that, but I still think what he's done this year is extremely impressive. And I mean, you got to be so excited if you're a Jags fan. I don't know how far they'll go in the playoffs or whatever. And uh, we can get into that. But, dude, I mean, you're talking about a team that we know they have the right quarterback and we know they have the right head coach. Ryan, there's a lot we can talk about and tweak this and tweak that. That's a pretty darn good place to start, those two spots. Yeah, there's no question about that. And I'll tell you, Ross, uh, there were a lot of questions about Trent Balky, the Jaguar general manager coming into this year, to the point where – about a year ago, the fan base was so upset they were dressing as clowns to voice their frustration. And then Trent Baalke goes in free agency, and he kind of gets raked over the coals a little bit. People question Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Evan Ingram, Brandon Sheriff, obviously Foyer Luica and Darius Williams, Foley Fadakasi, and, and across the board. Ross, those seven free agents the Jaguars brought in, they haven't been average. They haven't been slightly above average. All those guys have been vital to where the Jaguars are right now heading into the playoffs on Saturday night. Yeah, you know what? Um, they've done an unbelievable job. There, there's no way around it. I mean, and I think a lot of people thought they overpaid for a bunch of those dudes, but 
they probably, yeah, you'd have to go over the list again, but I think they probably all exceeded expectations. Sheriff's played really well. Kirk has been awesome. Zay Jones is maybe the biggest surprise. Evan Ingram, though, is a pretty big surprise. I knew Foyer was good, but I, by the way, as, an, as a former Ivy Leaguer, it's just, it, it cracks me up that a dude from Yale leaves the NFL and tackles. I mean, just think about that, dude. I mean, we think NFL guy, line, NFL linebacker leading the league in tackles, and the dude from Yale has played well. You're right. Bulky kind of hit a home run with all those guys. And really, it felt like they were able to um, – they were able to, to get Trayvon Walker to play really well against the Titans as well. And I don't know if he'll end up being a better player than Aiden Hutchinson, but he looks like he's going to end up being a good player, which is what's most important. A couple of more for Ross Tucker, the host of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. You can also check him out on social media at Ross Tucker NFL. And Ross is involved in a lot of things. We're also going to tell you about myfrontpagestory.com in just a moment. Ross, you played in this league for many years, and look, you, you have a great perspective on this. We have Dave Campo, former head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, lives here locally, is on with me every week and on our postgame shows on Sunday, and he uses the term belief. You don't necessarily have to be the best team, but if you believe at the end of the day you're going to win, that's a powerful thing. And some strange things have happened, Ross. 27-10, down to Dallas, late in the third quarter. Jacksonville comes back and wins. They go to Nashville for the first time in nine years and beat the Titans up there. They go for two and the win against Baltimore, and they get it. And then again last week, three minutes to go, and a winner-go-home game, and they get a defensive score. I don't like the term team of destiny, and I don't, I'm not even going to use that, but the word belief is a good one because clearly, Ross, at this point, this team believes they're going to find a way to get it done. Yeah, I think that's fair, and I think that's um, a positive, a huge positive, clearly. But, you know, I I don't know. I think this is going to be a tough game. It's funny because this rarely happens, but I have a betting podcast. It's the Even Money podcast. And, you know, I'm the former player. My co-host is a professional sports better in Las Vegas, and he really likes the Jags in this game. Because the Chargers played their starters Sunday in Denver, you know, in the altitude. They fly back to L.A. They get Bosa and Mike Williams a little bit banged up. Now it's a short week. They got to fly all the way to Jacksonville. He likes the Jags. I kind of feel the opposite. I kind of feel like the Jags had their Super Bowl last Saturday. And they won it. And it's a huge accomplishment. And division champs. And they're hosting a playoff game. I lean uh, to the Chargers, which probably won't make me really popular with your listeners right about now. But <laughs> I just think the Chargers, you know, differently than the Jags, it feels like the Chargers have kind of been building up to this moment over the last few years. They're very talented. I think Mike Williams will be okay. And I think this is Herbert's time to kind of get his signature win, get a playoff victory under his belt. Ross, as we begin to wrap up with you, I don't disagree with you. I'd love to take you to task on that, but I don't disagree with you. And it's interesting because I got a lot of Jaguar season ticket holder buddies of mine, guys that have followed this team for, for years and years, and they use the term house money, right? The Jaguars are a year ahead. I mean, at three and seven, seven weeks ago, 
no one thought they would be here. And that seems to be a narrative, at least in the fan base. Now, the players aren't going to say that, certainly, and the coaches don't think that. But I do get the sense that in the fan base, would a lost Saturday sting? Of course it will. And it'll suck, and it'll hurt for a little bit. But if they lose on Saturday, give it a week or two, and you'll think back to say, all right, from 3-7 and seven to a division title in our second home playoff game – in 23 years so I don't think you're completely wrong in the sense that from the fans point of view I think last Saturday did make this season an overwhelming success no question and I do think they're ahead of where people thought they'd be and they're a year ahead because most people so like myself thought it would be the Colts and or the Titans battling it out to win the division I thought the Jags would be improved, but obviously the Colts ended up last in the Ross Tucker football podcast power rankings. So nobody was expecting that. And then the Titans fell off as well. And kudos to the Jags for being there and ready to take advantage. All right, Ross, as we've mentioned, the Ross Tucker football podcast, people can follow you and you're a terrific follow on social media at Ross Tucker NFL. You are unbelievably interactive with fans out there. Heck, you travel all over the place. You're one of the busiest guys I know. You also have myfrontpagestory.com. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, listen, I mean, Valentine's Day, Ryan will be here before you know it. It's like a month away, and nobody ever knows. Like, what are you going to do? Like a gift card or flowers or chocolates? Get them something that is truly unique, that they'll love, that they'll never have heard of before, you get them a personalized newspaper story. It looks like it's on the cover of the Times Union. It's unbelievable with their picture or the picture of the two of you. And it's just so awesome to be able to say to your significant other, I had a story written about you. And then when she actually reads it, and sees the quotes like, I never thank her enough for all the little things she does for me and the kids or whatever. I'm just telling you, they will cry. I don't know why, but it's very, very emotional. So use the code Jacksonville10 at myfrontpagestory.com and knock out Valentine's Day right now. You talk to one of our writers for, I don't know, five, ten minutes. They write this unbelievable story. It's myfrontpagestory.com. Use the code Jacksonville10. If you want to get 10% off the story. Wow, I absolutely love that. That is a great idea. Myfrontpagestory.com. Again, the code Jacksonville10 for 10% off. Ross Tucker of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Ross, know you're busy, brother. Always appreciate the time. Let's hope for a great game Saturday night, and we'll talk again soon, my friend. Sounds great. Thanks so much for having me, Ryan. Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville. We are glad you are with us. The Jaguars and the Chargers in the AFC playoffs Saturday night, 8-15. You'll get the game right here on 1010XL. Let's talk to a man that's covered the NFL for many years. He's with CBSSports.com. He's my friend Jeff Kerr, and he's always kind enough to join us here on 1010XL. Jeff, how we doing, man? Uh, Hacker, I'll tell you what. I'm, I'm as shocked as you are the Jaguars are in the postseason, but Happy for me. It's great for the state. By the way, did you know all three Florida teams made the made the postseason for the first time in 24 years? Wow, I didn't know it was 24 years. That's something. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of excitement in the Sunshine State. I mean, Jeff, look, I had you on 
I guess right around the time of the first Jaguar-Titan game, and you and I were talking, and we were like, yeah, if the Jaguars went out, there's a chance they could get in. Did I believe that at the time? I don't know. I think I said it for the sake of saying it, but Jeff, they did it. They, they won out. They won five in a row, and now they're in the postseason, and they're hosting a primetime playoff game for the first time in the 28-year franchise history. It's incredible, right? You know, and I think we both said, well, let's see them beat the Titans first. Let's let's see if they can win that first Titan game, and then we can really get the train um, out of the station. And, boy, did they ever take it out. I mean, Tennessee just kept losing. Jacksonville just kept winning. Jacksonville was beating teams that maybe I wouldn't have thought they would have beaten in October. But if you take away that five-game losing streak they had, this is a really good football team. This is a team that can win a playoff game or two. And you're seeing that Trevor Lawrence is a franchise quarterback. I mean, not not only is he a franchise quarterback, I think he's going to be in that Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow type stratosphere soon. He's that good of a player. And he's only going to get better with Doug Pearson. Remember, this is year one with Doug. And look at the turnaround they have. Uh, you got a career year for Christian Kirk. You got a right back one in Travis Etienne. The offensive line's been good. The defense gets to the quarterback. This is a fun team to watch. Jeff Kerr, CBSSports.com. Jeff, admittedly, I'm going to be biased here. I'll say that from the from the get-go. You are very familiar with Doug Peterson, the work you do with Philadelphia. You have an NFC East podcast, so you obviously know Doug Peterson. Uh, I don't think there's a coach in the NFL that's done a better job. Uh, Brian Dable's done a fantastic job. O'Connell in Minnesota has done a fantastic job. There are many coaches that have done great jobs, but no coach around inherited the nightmare that Urban Meyer left going from 3-7 and seven in early November to the playoffs. I don't know if he'll win it. I would tend to doubt he'll win it. But to me, Jeff, Doug Peterson is the coach of the year. I would agree with that. I think Doug Peterson is the coach of the year just from following this Jaguars team the entire year because I do have some personal ties with Doug Peterson. Uh, you know, I fought, you know, I covered Doug Peterson in Philly for a number of for a number of years, he's always been the lovable goofball. Or, you know, remember, he was the ultimate underdog when he was in Philly, the guy who couldn't win anything. But then when he went to Jacksonville, I think you could tell he earned a lot of respect from winning that Super Bowl. Because it's like, okay, Jacksonville got a real head coach, a Super Bowl champion head coach. I haven't made the joke that when they won the Thursday night game a couple weeks ago, Doug Pearson won more games in five days than Urban Meyer won with the Jaguars and He's 13 last year. So, <laughs> yeah. so you, you can tell the difference Doug Peterson has made with that franchise. And, I mean, Trevor Lawrence was historically bad last year. And I'm like, there's no way Trevor Lawrence is this bad. I watched this kid play all, all his years at Clemson. Watched him play in high school. There's no way he's been this bad. It was Urban Meyer. It clearly was Urban Meyer. And it was an absolute joke what the Jaguars had become. And let's face it, they, they, they were a joke before Urban Meyer, but – now you got Doug Pearson in there. You got the franchise quarterback. You got the fan base back. And good things are happening for this city, right? Uh, you know, I, I think it was this week they're announcing plans to, um, um, what was it, renovate TIAA Bank Field, or that they, they, they want to do that, or, or or something of that regards, keep it at that site. So, so you got that going on. And you got Doug, you got, you, you got Trevor Lawrence. You got a franchise that's willing to spend money. It, it, it's a good time to be a Jaguars fan now. It just feels like this is the start of a nice run in the AFC South for them. Oh, I completely agree. And the division itself looks like a nightmare. I mean, I don't know 
what they're doing in Houston. Their coach goes for two and gets it and costs them the number one pick, and then he gets fired three hours later. Indianapolis is going to have a coaching search. Who knows what's happening there? And Tennessee's window of opportunity appears to have slammed shut. So, uh, barring anything unforeseen, this could be the Jaguars' division for the next couple of years at least. Jeff Kerr, CBSSports.com. Jeff, the one thing, too, you know, we give Doug Peterson all the credit, and with good reason. It was a year ago this week that the Jaguar fan base dressed up as clowns to voice their displeasure about the direction of the organization and about general manager Trent Baalke. Look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you Trent Baalke should win GM of the year, but he brings in Zay Jones and Christian Kirk. People question that. Zay Jones and Christian Kirk both had 80-plus catches, making them the first wide receiver duo in Jacksonville to do that since guys named Keenan McCardell and Jimmy Smith. Trent Baalke brings in Evan Ingram, who has a career year from New York. Trent Baalke signs a guy named Foye Oluokun and cuts Miles Jack. People here were up in arms. Why are you doing that? Who is Oluokun? Why are you cutting Miles Jack? Oluokun leads the league in tackles and is clearly one of the leaders of that defense. Brandon Sheriff has been all they've hoped for and then some along the offensive line. Not to belabor the point, Jeff, but Trent Baalke might be getting the last laugh here. He's done a very good job. Oh, and they also drafted Trayvon Walker, number one, who's a pretty good player, too. So, I, I, look, I, I agree. I I don't think he's going to win his that game of the year. I honestly, well, I guess that you could say a little bias here because I cover the Eagles a lot, but Howie Roseman's going to get it because of those home run moves he made. But Trent Baalke deserves some consideration, I, just like you said, Hacker. Look at all the, the moves he was able to make to get that team from two wins to nine. And remember, they had to win their last, what, five to even get the nine? So, to, to me, I, I think one of my favorite moves was the Christian Kirk move. I always thought Christian Kirk was a good player. I thought he was misused in Arizona, and clearly Trent Baalke and the Jaguars personnel saw that too. I, I mean, Cliff Kingsbury is another story, but I'm like, all right, let's get him in Trevor Lawrence now. Let's see what he can do. I, I mean, he was incredible for them this year, it, absolutely incredible. I, I swear, Christian Kirk caught everything, and, and Zay Jones another one. You didn't pay Zay Jones that much money, and yet Marvin Jones was kind of a – a side piece this year. Like, you, I forgot he was even on the roster at times. I mean, you can't mention, you know, you can't forget what Evan Ingram did. He set the franchise record for catches and receiving yards in a season for a tight end. I mean, Trevor Lawrence got some weapons now. And I, I think the next step for Jacksonville, get that A.J. Brown, Stephon Diggs, Justin Jefferson type number one wide receiver and really watch this team go to the next level. Well, they're very curious. We all are what Calvin Ridley may be in this offense when he comes in in 2023. That's right. Calvin Ridley's coming. I always forget that they trade for Calvin Ridley. Yeah, and a lot of people do. And and look, you add Calvin Ridley to Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Travis Etienne, and hopefully they re-sign Evan Ingram. Boy, that could could really be something. Final moments here with Jeff Kerr, CBSSports.com. Jeff, all right, I want to end on the playoff game this Saturday and maybe look around the playoffs as a whole, but quickly on the idea that Jacksonville went from 3-7 and seven to 9-8, and eight, and they're only the second team in league history joining the 2020 Washington, I guess they were the Washington football team at the time, to start 3-7 and seven and to make the playoffs and to win the game over Tennessee in the fashion that they did. I know on paper that was a regular season game, but come on, that was a playoff game. That was win or you're going home. 
So now they have a little experience, Jeff, in that type scenario heading into this Saturday night against the Chargers. And they're playing a team that doesn't have any postseason experience. So Saturday night's going to be a lot of fun. I, I know Justin Herbert pretty well. I, I talked to Justin Herbert a lot in the offseason. I'll tell you what, that team is excited to go to the postseason. I, I, I think they're looking at themselves as underdogs too. Like, hey, okay, no one thinks we're we're going to go into Jacksonville and win this game. Or and, and that's what Jacksonville is created right now. It's it's almost like I expect Jacksonville to win, even though the, they're a first timer in the postseason too. But they, you're right, they played that playoff game last week. They 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 got the they shook the cobwebs off. I I, I guess you could say they 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 got the pre-show jitters out of the way. It, because last week, they did not look like the team I saw the past five or six weeks, which is fine. But now you're coming in, you're going to be facing Justin Herbert, Austin Eckler, and I, I think Jackson will call it a break because Brandon Staley's a dope and decided to play his starters in a meaningless game, and Mike Williams got hurt. So now you don't have to worry about that. It's It just seems like Jacksonville is that is that team that, you know, th- this is going to be their coming-of-age moment Saturday, uh, that they, they get the face. Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert are going to face each other in the playoffs for years and years and years. It, it, it's just a formality, right? He's the youngest quarterback in a young AFC playoff field. It, it just feels like I don't know. I, I'm really hoping for the Andy Reid Doug Peterson showdown in two weeks. Let's just put it that way. That would be something at Arrowhead Stadium. And, and look, here in Jacksonville, Jeff, it's interesting. Now the players don't feel this way and nobody in that organization feels this way but you and I are talking directly to the fan base here on 1010XL and there's a lot of people in the fan base that think uh, the vanilla ice cream was already good before last Saturday night last Saturday was the hot fudge right the mashed potatoes were already good last Saturday's win over the Titans was the gravy and the sour cream right I mean they they've surpassed expectations now winning the division and there's a thought that anything else from this point forward uh, is like a house money situation. And if the fans think that, that's fine. They're entitled to. But my thought is, look, you got a home playoff game at night. First primetime playoff game in franchise history. You're playing a team in the Chargers that have never made the postseason with Justin Herbert at quarterback. They're going to have some nervous jitters as well. You have a great opportunity to go out there whether it's playing with house money or not, and win the football game. Exactly. And but by the way, for for um, uh, the, that ice cream there, that vanilla ice cream. You know, Doug Pearson is a big fan of Hagen Dots, right? <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he he loves his ice cream. Let let me tell you. But yeah, you're right. It's you know, this is all house money for Jacksonville. It's okay. You're you're in the show in a year where everybody thought, and I thought that. that I think I predict them to go six, eleven, or seven and ten, or something like that. I thought Doug would make them better in year one. I didn't think they'd be this good already. So yeah, you're right. They're playing with house money. They're playing at home. I'm gonna say this to everybody, every Jacksonville fan: enjoy this. This has been a fun year from the start of the year with Tony Vasily got in the Hall of Fame. You got him in. Now, now you got a, a tremendous season, something to look forward to. It feels like the Coglin era, like the late 90s Coglin era, where, oh, by the way, they got the revenge on the tight. I, I love how they used that that 1999 video, by the way, of Tennessee beating them in the AFC Championship game at home on social media. I, I thought I thought that was huge there. But, yeah, it, just enjoy it. Just enjoy the moment. Enjoy the season. It's going to be the start of something big for that franchise. It, it kind of feels like, when Andy Reid went to the Chiefs, right? You know, you knew that franchise was going to turn around the moment he showed up, and 
Jacksonville's going to get to have a Doug Peterson. They're going to get a couple really good years here, and they're going to get a window, especially with a quarterback on the rookie contract. This is just a start. And, Jeff, you look at the AFC playoff picture as a whole, right? Patrick Mahomes, 27. Joe Burrow, 25. Lamar Jackson, if he plays, 25. Justin Herbert, 24. Trevor Lawrence, 23. What's Josh Allen? Like 26, I believe. I mean, it is insane the amount of quarterbacks 27 years old or younger that are performing this well all in the same conference. Patrick Mahomes is the elder statement. Is the elder statement. I think he said he was the old head. In, in the, and he's 27. It's crazy. Then you got the NFC where Tom Brady's won 35 playoff games and the rest, rest of the playoff fields won a combined two. So, wow. yeah, the AFC is going to be a lot of fun. I, I know the matchup. The matchup should be a lot better on paper than what they're probably going to end up being because, let's face it, if Tua doesn't play for Miami, that Buffalo-Miami game, it's going to be a stinker. I, I, I hate to admit that. But Cincinnati-Baltimore and Lamar doesn't play, that game's going to be a stinker. That's why I'm looking forward to this Jacksonville-LA game. And, by the way, you're getting – not saying that you're getting the Thursday night crew, but you are getting Al Michaels with Tony Dungy. So Al Michaels is back of NBC on Thursday night. That's going to be huge for Jacksonville. Uh, yeah, if I look at the AFC playoff picture, I, I do want to see a Chiefs-Bills rematch again because I always want to see a Chiefs-Bills rematch, but I'm not sure how I feel about the whole neutral site thing. I, I think that's going to kind of rub me the wrong way, but I don't know what else the NFL could have done. Jeff, final question. You cover Philadelphia. Does anybody beat the Eagles in the NFC? Eagles are at home? No. Simple I, as that. I don't think no. so either. I think Philadelphia is going to win the NFC. I think maybe their biggest competition potentially is San Francisco, but I think San Francisco is going to have a hard time going into Philadelphia and winning a football game. Who do you like coming out of the AFC? In the AFC, I, I, I kind of want to go chalk and go Eagles-Chiefs, but I feel like it's going to be either Eagles-Chiefs, Eagles-Bills, or Eagles Bengals. It's going to be one of the. I, I, you know what? I'll go Kansas City because I think Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are the ultimate equalizer for anything Buffalo and Cincinnati throws at that. It, there's no way Kansas City's going to lose four straight to Cincinnati. I'm sorry. I, I know Cincinnati has their number. It's just hard to do. So I, I hate to go chalk, but give me Eagles Chiefs. Boy, if it's Eagles Chiefs, there won't be any build up to that, will there? With Andy no, Reid oh, playing Philadelphia oh, you know in what, the though? Super Bowl. I'll say this. The, my biggest fear never happened. The Eagles did win a Super Bowl before Andy Reid did because that was my biggest fear. Andy Reid was going to get one before the Eagles because he's that good of a coach. And But Eagles and Andy Reid in a Super Bowl, I'll take it just because growing up with Andy Reid, respecting the heck out of them, respecting the heck out of that Chiefs franchise, and the Eagles have a chance to slay a giant. And Kansas City would be a huge favorite in that game. That's just my opinion. You can read Jeff Kerr at CBS Sports. Dot com. Jeff, always appreciate the time, man. Enjoy the playoff action this weekend. We'll talk again soon. Yeah, I'll tell you what, Hacker. I can't wait till Saturday. I'm getting tired of the Black Monday coaching hires already. Firings, I guess we could say. Back here on 1010XL at 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville. We are glad you are with us. The college football season is in the books. The Georgia Bulldogs are celebrating their second straight national championship. Although, if you've listened to this show over this week, I'm not sure how great Monday night was overall for the sport of college football. Let's talk about all that and more with my friend Brent Beard. You see him on First Coast News. 
here locally, and you hear him weekly on Hacker After Dark. Mr. Beard, how are you, sir? Well, I'm doing well. Uh, uh, there is some sadness that uh, the season is over, uh, but the good thing is everybody is zero and zero right now, and we've got the countdown on for the preseason magazines, Hack. So, look, look there are people right now uh, at Lindy's and Phil Steele and Athlon who uh, – uh, in the basically the middle of January, or beginning to work hard on the next edition. <laughs> so, uh, does that put things in perspective a little bit? Yeah, there's no question, and it always sneaks up on us. I saw a list of a couple of college programs that begin mm-hmm. spring ball in a couple of weeks. So it it never ceases to <laughs> yeah. amaze me how 365 so, days a year this sport has become. All right, the Georgia Bulldogs. Um, my gosh, Brent, the most dominating performance in the history of a national championship game. We'll get to that in a moment. It was a bad night for the sport of college football, but on the flip side, it was a great night for the University of Georgia, now 29-1 and and back-to-back national champions in the last two years. Well, and they deserve a lot of the praise. Stenson Bennett, Georgia's first 4,000-yard man in total offense, got the school's all-time single-season passing record, uh, which is amazing. The other thing that's amazing, and this really sums up their year, Stenson Bennett's the first quarterback in NCAA history to play 15 games and get sacked just nine times. single digit sacks in 15 games. Now, if you're looking for a reason why they won the championship, that's not the main one, but it's sure a good one, isn't it, <laughs> isn't it Ryan? Uh, I, what does that tell you? It tells you that their offensive line was incredible in protecting their quarterback. And also Bennett has gotten the mobility to get around and to keep from getting sacked, uh, and uh, give credit to uh, the defense. I mean, they held the top 10 offense to just 188 yards. 60 of those came on one play, and they've got a lot of young kids like Jalen Walker, linebacker, who is really impressive uh, in that game. But look, to uh, dovetail what you said uh, and where they could be next year, well, they could be very much back uh, in the playoffs again. I think they will because, and they'll hear this a lot over the next few weeks, and I won't go into all of it, but their schedule is very light. and it's no, very I'll, I'll, I'll change the verbiage. Their schedule is a joke next year. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. Their non-conference schedule, and look, they, they would beat anybody they play next year anyway. But their schedule next year is Tennessee, Martin, Ball State, UAB, and Georgia Tech. That is yeah, a joke yeah. of a non-conference schedule. We sure it is. Now, now, in fairness, they had Oklahoma scheduled next year, and then that changed with uh, the Big 12 SEC situation. But the reality is Oklahoma is going to have to change a lot uh, in order to get any better. Uh, with this, but but look, Georgia 
again, your number one class in 18, number two in 19, uh, and number two in two, 2020. Uh, I mean, it just keeps kind of going on and on, number three in 2022. So, uh, so yes, they, they will be poised per the schedule and the talent to return next year. And look, with all due respect to some great, and I do mean great, Georgia quarterbacks, going back to Fran Tarkington, Eric Zire, Aaron Murray, Matt Stafford, David Green, go on down the line. Stetson Bennett, Brent, I'm, I'm not sure if – I mean, he's certainly more accomplished than any of those guys. I mean, you throw Buck Ballou in as well, certainly, with what he's done, 29-1 and one in the last 30 games and back-to-back national championships, absolutely incredible. And I think he has taken his place um, probably at the top of the Georgia Bulldog quarterback uh, – Mountain, if you will, if not at the top, yep. I mean, certainly in the conversation. Brent Beard, First Coast News. You also get him right here on Hacker After Dark. All right, Brent, you are a diehard college football guy. Diehard. I don't know if I know another person that's as invested as college football as you are. It's January 11th, and you're talking about preseason magazines. <laughs> that's the world of Mr. Brent Beard, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Um, Monday night was a terrible night for the sport. Yes. It was a terrible night for the sport. And I don't know what can be done. And, Brent, I think the gap is going to get bigger with NIL. Parity is gone. And parity was never really there to begin with, but the gap is mm-hmm. widening. Brent, college football's got a problem, does it not? Yeah, it does. Now, the uh, uh, now the playoff extension is going to help because probably – TCU very well may have been knocked off in the early rounds if we expand it. And again, right now, we've got basically about eight schools that are um, involved. When we expand the playoff to 12, what we're going to get about 20, uh, which will uh, certainly make a difference. Now, here's the other side of this, too. The logic to go along with this would be, well, uh, what do you do here to have made this better? And the reality would have been, if you wanted a better game, you would have had Georgia playing either Alabama or Tennessee. So, But if you'd had Alabama or Tennessee in there, you would have had this nationwide uh, weeping and gnashing of teeth about how unfair that would have been, and TCU would not got a chance. Uh, but uh, so that that is going to help. But the reality of it is, we're because they've got the best rosters in um, uh, Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State. Those teams are going to be involved. The thing that we've got to hope for, Hack, is if if you if people want parity. They've got to hope the NIL will bring some of that uh, and that some of these schools will step up and provide NIL opportunities for their players. Otherwise, uh, we may have something similar uh, next year until the playoffs kick in with the extension. Well, and truthfully, what the committee should have done, and I understand why they didn't. I don't agree with it, but I understand it. Georgia TCU should have been the semifinal and Michigan Ohio State should have been the semifinal and they didn't want to do that because they didn't want such a quick rematch 
between Michigan and Ohio State. But the way it played out, George, I don't mind TCU getting in. They they deserved it. But that should have been the 1-4. Michigan-Ohio State should have been the 2-3. And then the winner of Michigan-Ohio State, uh, presumably Ohio State, I don't know if Michigan mm-hmm. would have beat them twice, would sure. have played Georgia, and then we would have had a great final. Like it yeah. happened, it was the exact opposite, and now people like myself are up in arms about it. Well, and, and, and let me throw this in real quickly. The, uh, in this kind of a side note here, but, Hank, two things we've got to do. Uh, uh, that game doesn't need to be played in Los Angeles. Uh, you just – no one's interested. Uh, it, it, when the game starts, they're in traffic on the interstate. So – and, and look, this is probably following on Dow Fears, and I, and I get all the NFL arguments and so forth. This game needs to be played on Saturday night uh, instead of on Monday night. Uh, people can travel easier, um, uh, and uh, it, it's certainly more traditional for the schools. I don't know if that's ever going to happen uh, with, with the old axiom of Monday night's your best ratings night, uh, and et cetera. Of course, this game, Monday night, if it had been on Saturday night, would have been no different either, uh, but... I do wish they would make some of those changes. You get Brent Beard on First Coast News. You also get him right here on Hacker After Dark. Final thought about this, and look, I get it. Where we are in Jacksonville, it's been all Jaguars, and with good reason. The Jaguars are on an incredible run. But, Brent, I almost had to remind myself the game was Monday night. I mean, it just kind of snuck up on us a little bit. And to that point, you know, Georgia TCU in Los Angeles for the national title, which was some six weeks after the season came to an yep. end, and I know it's always right. been like that, but this is the national championship of college football, mm-hmm. sure. and I don't know, you know, how many people really watch the pregame coverage. I mean, the game, people had turned it off by halftime because it was, you know, obviously it was going to be a route. I just thought that it opened my eyes to the fact that we need to see some changes with a lot of different aspects of how college football does things. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that totally. Uh, and that the, the uh, and you know, do we continue with this um, committee approach? Uh, also, uh, I think part of the problem too with this committee, we don't have enough football people on the committee, uh, and and that's something that's going to uh, have to change. Also, uh, but the. Uh, um, uh, and, and the good thing is we're not stuck in this, this situation uh, for forever. We've got a year of it, and then we go from there. And to throw this out real quick, when we expand the playoffs, the and also people need to keep in mind, the championship game uh, is like was on the 9th or I think next year is on the 10th. Well, in, uh, in a couple of years when we expand the playoffs, championship game is going to be on the 20th so the sport itself will continue to roll along and get 10 more days of uh, uh publicity while, while everybody else is in their fourth quarter program at that point wrapping things up here with Brent beard you see him on first coast news you get him right here weekly on 10 10 xl brent you're a heisman voter and you know uh, the process i'm sure you get mailed a lot of packets and a lot mm-hmm. of promotional type items boy florida state's not wasting a lot of time they're getting their guy out there jordan travis making the media rounds 
They have got a full-blown Heisman campaign for Jordan Travis. And I got to tell you, of guys that are returning for college football next year, I don't think it's outrageous. I think Jordan Travis deserves to be in the conversation as one of the preseason Heisman favorites. Well, there are two things going on here. One, it's for Jordan Travis, and I agree totally. He deserves it. And two, what this is about also is Florida State, with pretty much everybody, is either going to be a top five or certainly a top ten football team. Because, uh, I mean, Jared Burks, the edge rusher, is coming back now. Johnny Wilson's coming back. Now, Trishon Ward is leaving, but but most everybody else is, too. They also got uh, Gilbert Edmond from South Carolina. Patrick Sertain is coming in on the coaching staff. Uh, and Hag, I'm sure you're seeing the same thing. Uh, it, it's it's going to be one of the, can we say, easily one of the most anticipated off-seasons in FSU in decades. Yeah, and look, they open up with a big one, that FSU-LSU game in Orlando. That has college game day written all over it to kick off Absolutely. the 2023 season. Along those lines, quickly, for Florida, oh, boy. We'll see about the Jaden Rashada situation at the time you and I are talking. He is yet to enroll at the University of Florida. That's certainly become a big story in the last 24 hours or so. And you combine that with the fact that Cam Rising, the quarterback at Utah, yeah. announces he's coming back. Uh, mm-hmm. Brent, it could be uh, Hail Caesar for those about to be slaughtered out in Salt Lake City on Labor Day weekend. That might not work out well for the Gators. Yeah, they've got a lot of work to do but before that happens. And hopefully Rashada, uh, and, and like you, I've heard about everything uh, from NIL situation to transcripts and that he will be in later. Again, we will wait and see. Hopefully that will happen. Now, they do, they do have some good news in that they've got a transfer from Baylor, Micah Mascua, who is coming in. Uh, also, uh, they've had Deuce Spurlock from Michigan, uh, the kids from Madison, Alabama, where my brother uh, resides, and also Candon Jones, uh, who is, uh, they got a commitment from him during the All-American Bowl, 6'8", 300. Now, look, we don't know how any of these guys are going to uh, work out, but, Trav, you know, like I do, when you've got issues at quarterback, it magnifies a lot of the more positive things that you're doing to build up your program. Yeah, no question about it. And uh, look, if they don't get Rashada enrolled, or if they don't get him, you know, if something falls through and he doesn't join the program for whatever reason, this offseason has been a football catastrophe. Because then all they would have added is Graham Mertz to go yep. with Jack Miller and Max Brown at quarterback, and that would simply be unacceptable. So. Hopefully it's just a hiccup and transcripts or whatever, and it's not a, a big deal. We'll have to wait and see how that plays out. Brent, leave us with this. we got about 90 seconds. Coaches are meeting this week and maybe some conversation about the early signing period. Well, Greg Sankey himself, SEC commissioner, has come out and said, we are crushing coaches in December, and we need to change the early signing period now the AFCA executive director, Todd Barry, said that he's talked to coaches and there is interest in moving the signing date up. 
before the transfer portal opens, maybe the first Wednesday in December or right after Thanksgiving. I, I'm not sure the – I mean, first week Wednesday in December would help a little bit, but still – uh, I, I've always thought that if you're going to move it, move it to uh, uh, sometime before the season begins uh, or just keep it in February. So watch that. The, the, the bottom line is it's too much for coaches right now uh, to get ready for finals, the high school recruiting, uh, and to get ready for a bowl game. And coaches have let uh, the uh, – appropriate people know about this and the truth of the matter is if they want to change it hank they need to change it you get Bryn beard every week here on hacker after dark you also see him on first coast news brent thank you my friend you've been with us every week for the last what four months or so we will continue the conversation this off season certainly when news warrants but again thank you so much and we'll talk again soon good look forward to it pal i've enjoyed it take care and thank you to my friend Brent Beard for joining us tonight here on Hacker After Dark. Always enjoy talking a little college ball with Brent. You see him on First Coast News. You get him right here on Hacker After Dark as the college football season officially comes to an end. And congratulations to head coach Kirby Smart and the Georgia Bulldogs. Now back-to-back national championships, a 29-1 and record over the last two years. Absolute dominance by the Dogs. Like I've said all week, Monday night was a great night for Georgia. It was a bad night for the sport of college football, and we'll see what happens moving forward. Well, that'll just about do it for what has been a very busy Wednesday night edition here of Hacker After Dark. Heck, all of our shows this week have been and will continue to be very busy. That's what happens when you have an NFL team in the postseason. It'll be all NFL pretty much the rest of the week. Here on Hacker After Dark, we got a lot of great guests scheduled to join us over the next couple of nights. Again, thank you to Brent Beard of First Coast News. Always appreciate him joining us. My friend Jeff Kerr, CBSSports.com, giving us the national perspective on this matchup Saturday night between Jacksonville and Los Angeles. And my buddy Ross Tucker, former NFL player. You can catch him now on the Ross Tucker football podcast you can also follow him on social media at ross tucker nfl always appreciate ross taking time out to join us here on hacker after dark we'll be back tomorrow night and we will do it all over again beginning at eight o'clock dylan denmark was your producer tonight dylan great job as always i'm the hacker ryan green and jacksonville thank you for spending part of your wednesday evening with us right here on Hacker After Dark on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. So for all of us here on HAD, have an absolutely terrific remainder of your Wednesday evening, and we will talk to you tomorrow night on a Thursday, beginning at 8 o'clock. Until then, good night, Jacksonville.